that was very helpful. And in fact, I feel like I'm definitely in a better place now after having this conversation with you because you're right. That's what I think makes your work different and better than others. I definitely don't think I'd be engaged to him or in the relationship I'm in if I hadn't listened to you at all. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit?, How a Man Decides to Make You the One. My guest today is 43-year-old Terry, who wrote to me stating that she is tired of going for the younger men and boys with whom she becomes infatuated. She wants to be done with the cycle whereby they leave, then she becomes, quote, obsessed with them, ultimately wondering why they didn't like her enough, end quote. Terry is very independent, but she also wants a companion. She knows she is definitely worthy of love, but struggles with feelings of doubt that she, quote, isn't enough, end quote. Terry has been through the loss of a child and a marriage, divorce, and infidelity trauma. She is aware of having trust and self-worth issues and hopes today's coaching conversation will help her to gain some clarity about where she goes from here. Welcome, Terry. Very happy to have you today because this is a great topic, younger men and the feelings of unworthiness and all that you've been through. So I'm, I'm very happy to talk to you today about this. So I like to ask this at the start. If you could walk away getting clarity, what is the biggest win for you? What do you want that clarification to be on first and foremost? Uh, I guess maybe just that, you know, I think I consider myself to be a pretty self-aware uh, person. And so I think a lot of the times, you know, I, I'm one of those people that searches for answers, but it's like I already know the answer, <laughs> kind of, you know, but I'm still always, you know, looking for resources, people to give me either a different answer or, you know, So the clarity for me would be, you know, just peace of mind that, you know what, you know, Terry, you are doing what you need to do. You're going in the right direction. Just be at peace with that, you know, because I tend to beat myself up about things repeatedly. You said something that I think is true for all of us, that you have the answer and you know what it is. So I'm going to guess that you just have trouble executing what you know you either need to be doing, quote-unquote, should be doing to move your life forward, something along those lines. Is that true? I usually need that push. And, you know, I, I'm I'm definitely one of those people that's like my worst critic. And it's like, I'll always get there. I, I get there eventually. But, you know, it, it takes me a while. Like, I have trouble letting go of things and I always feel like I need closure and I don't ever get closure. Just linger, you know, until the next thing comes along, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. 
and I think you are putting words to what so many women feel when they become attached and bonded to someone through feelings. Yeah, especially when I know maybe the feelings might be superficial, if that makes sense, you know. So, But I'm the type of person that passionate in everything that I do so it's like if I invest my feelings like I'm really invest you know what I mean I, I really invest it in quickly or what what not to so it's it's hard for me to like let go so like you say like being me sometimes is, is draining like I uh, make myself tired <laughs> I totally get that and what you're speaking to is the disconnect or I should say the the uncomfortability, many would call it dissonance, between what you know intellectually and what you feel you have no control over emotionally in some cases. Is that true? I could see that, yeah, totally. I like to be in control. That's another thing. And I, I, when I can't control the situation, I'm a, a thinker. I can think myself out of like anything. Uh, I'm like an overthinker and... Um, I use have a lot of intuition as well, so like that will fuel me to keep thinking about the stuff that I'm thinking about because like my gut will tell me this and that, and so I don't know. Yeah, what you say, I believe that is true. And you may know if you've listened to me here, and those who have listened to me here know that I work under two umbrellas, and one of them is what we do with men, and that's for example, the things you see on my social media and the things that are simple to put into sound bites, so to speak. Also, videos on YouTube and so forth about the tangible things that we do with men that help us in relationships. And the other umbrella is the most important, and that is what's going on with us in our subconscious mind, because that's where most all of the issues have originated and can be rectified. And when they are rectified, we have a much easier life and a much more enjoyable, easy, and fulfilling love life. When I hear your situation, it's very clear again, because I have the objectivity, truth be told, we've never spoken before, but your intro here was very clear, and the few things you have just said speak to me that you are bringing in to your love relationships the subconscious programming of when you were very, very young. That's why it's called subconscious, because it is from birth to age seven, that we get our self-concept and programming of how we relate to love interests, and in our case here, men. And when we have issues with control, with possibly obsessing on a man of the moment, I'm going to guess that when things fell apart with each guy, or he was showing that he didn't want to be in it, or that you weren't liked enough, you became more, mm, not obsessed, but wanting them in a way that, like you said, intellectually, 
I really know that this isn't necessarily even right or he's even that great or whatever, but I cannot help myself. I feel compelled. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. You know, like the, the, re the rejection, especially like when they, because the person that I am infatuated with that right the moment, I cut things off. I feel like what we had described what we were going to do was supposed to be casual and I'm just not really good at casual relationships never have been you know if I'm intimate with you like that means something to me so not to say that I haven't had one night stands and stuff like that it's just not my thing like I take it to heart you know the agreement with this person was that's what it was supposed to be and then we work together and it's just weird he's in a weird situation his situation is weird so it just was weird and it didn't it put me out of my comfort zone so then when I ended things, we decided to be friends, and then he acted weird. And then it turned out he ended up dating somebody else at the job that we worked at. So I was just like, okay, he didn't like me enough to date me, but he's dating this other person. And so it just kind of put me in a weird head frame with that situation. And I want to get to that, because I think going to the specifics can help us get to the general I've either done something to either push them to the limit or maybe I haven't done anything at all to where they don't choose me, but then they choose somebody else that's not great, but but it's something, you know what I mean? And in my brain, I'm like, okay, so what do they have that I don't have or what am I doing wrong, you know? Yes. And if we circle back, this is coming likely, you know, from you and it's not about the man of the moment. Yeah, totally. So this is good news because when you change you, then everything outside, meaning any new man of the moment, will be changed. That's really good, but it's hard to think about because it feels easier to control the outside world, but that's an intellectual thing that doesn't work. If it worked, it would have worked already. Right. So let's get to this particular situation because... I do believe that we can discuss the broader issue at hand through the specific, and it can be most helpful for you and for listeners to kind of see how it all plays out and stems from your programming and experience of love. So if you would just briefly state, you know, you, you, I know you said you met him at work, but tell us how it came about that you got into something casual and you agreed to that, even though you know you don't do casual very well. I had thought he was attractive, you know, didn't think anything. Um, so I didn't think he was thinking anything of me or anything like that. And then I had gone on a dating site and he was on the dating site and it was a, it was like a hookup site. And I had gone in there because a friend mentioned it. And I said, okay, you know, she's like, you're not looking for anything Terry, you know, you've been single. I'm going on seven years single. So I went on there and he was on there and I said, oh, this guy's looking to just kick it. Or, you know, I said, okay, you know, I should have, if I had known that, I would have, you know, talked to him at work, you know, because that might work, you know, even though it's not my thing. But I just was trying to do something different, I guess. So then when we had seen each other at work, 
it was just kind of a casual flirtation. I kind of mentioned it that I had seen him on the site and he got kind of bashful. And then, you know, we kind of just talked about it and I threw it out there. And I was just like, man, if I had known you were looking, you know, and that's kind of where I left it. And then we just started talking from there. But it turned out that we had mutual friends in common. Like I have a really close friend that was friends with him and her boyfriend is like his best friend so like it kind of worked out and so I remember I talked to her and I was like you know I, I like him I think he's you know this and that and she kind of gave me the go she's like you know he a good dude you know and so it kind of just went from there and it was like the four of us knew about it and that was it because I'm very private and I don't date people at work I don't get involved with people at work I've done it before it doesn't end up well and I'm just that type of person. I'm really private. I try not to do any of that stuff. So, Okay, so I'm going to point out a couple of things here that I think you'll find interesting. So you said you know yourself in that you don't do casual very well. Did you just come to this knowing after this guy? No, I've always known, but I always, I don't know, I just kept thinking, Miss Paula, I kept thinking, well, maybe if I just... Don't do what I usually do. Try not to be yourself. <laughs> do, you know, these young girls, you know, people do this, they do that. Try to do that. And I always try to do what's not me, and it always doesn't end up right. I end up feeling really bad about it because I feel like I compromise myself. And if you look at that, there's something there whereby you believe that in order to get any of your needs met, you can't be yourself. Correct. I feel like me is a lot. <laughs> I hope I don't cry. I might get a little emotional. I apologize. I just feel like it's hard to be me sometimes because uh, I can't control these thoughts that I have. You know, I can't, you know, I've worked on them. You know, I'm 43 and I'm still working on myself with the self-love. So it's, uh, it's, it's there, but, you know, it's just hard to keep it going. I know that I love myself. I know that I know who I am. But uh, there's just areas where there's there's times where I'm like, okay, maybe it's just not. Maybe what you think is not really good. You know, maybe you're not what you think. Maybe you're always just going to be fighting to, to, to love yourself and you're never going to be able to uh, love somebody else in the process or let them truly love you either. And I appreciate that honesty. I hope it's relieving that I'm going to tell you that I really know that what you are talking about is, again, the dissonance between what you know intellectually, but what your subconscious programming is not allowing you to fully embody. In other words, yes, you know intellectually everything that you have to offer, who you are, that you feel you've done a lot of work on yourself, that you do know you're worthy that you do know you are lovable. That is your intellectual side. You know all that. The problem lies that your subconscious is running on a program that you're not even aware of. And that is because we are programmed about lovability, worthiness, value, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a love interest, romantic love, between birth to age seven. And that is when we are in what's called theta brainwaves. 
theta is what we hope to get adults into in order for them to be hypnotized. We have brain waves that are delta when we're sleeping, theta only literally a few minutes a day, most typically, beta, which is what we're in most all the time, what we're in right now, you and I talking, and then higher is gamma. So in theta, which is what we live in from birth to age seven, is a totally hypnotizable state where everything that we take in, hear, see, feel, every sense, every little bit of information is put onto our subconscious mind. And this, of course, will not be remembered. It's only fleeting memories at some time. But what happens is it's put on indelibly. And then we go about after age seven, when we start to get into beta state, we start to live it out. And we live out the programming. Now what happens is our consciousness, after age seven, starts to tell us different things about life, experience, all of it. But it's like being hypnotized into anything. We are not necessarily even in control of it. And that's what you're wrestling with. Does that make sense? Totally. I, I've had this, you know, this complex a long time. You know, a lot of therapists tell me pretty much the same. I mean, it's funny that you say from up to seven I mean, I can think of what was going on in my life during that time that I remember that I could see where <laughs> I could see how those things could project during that time because I remember my childhood from those those ages. Okay, so this is what you have to know, recognize, become aware of because you can't do anything without being aware of it. But then it's going to be what you do with it because talking about it through therapy doesn't change it. And that may be why you feel like, well, it's a little hopeless. I know it, but it's not changing anything. Yes, because that's just more beta state stuff that, if not directed, doesn't get in there and actually override the programming. Most of the experts in the field do not believe that you can actually change the programming, but you can override it and have a new self-concept. You have to keep working on it in a way. And when I say working, that's a very broad term for it. Because once you do it and you start living it, it does start to become your new reality. Kind of like if you took up yoga, for example. Well, say you took it up and you were religious about it for many years. Well, you kind of have a muscle memory about the yoga. So if you fall off doing yoga all the time, when you go back to it, it's a lot easier than if you just started, correct? Correct. Yes. But make no mistake, if you don't ever go to a yoga class again or do your yoga exercises and make it a priority and be mindful of it, you're going to revert back to before you ever did yoga, right? It's the same thing. So it's getting to a point of being very focused about doing the work on it so that you become more masterful at it. You do have this new self-concept, but you have to keep up your quote-unquote yoga practice and be feeding your subconscious what it needs to be fed. 
to continue to override the program. So tell me what was going on in your home with your parents, which are your primary caregivers, if it wasn't your parents, who was it? And what was happening between them in your home, etc. at that time? Well, my mom was the the provider because my dad was a disabled veteran, but he was also alcoholic. So, you know, he stayed at home with me while my mom worked nights and, and he was home during the day. And then that kind of lasted, you know, my dad was in and out of my life a few times. Uh, probably seven was like where he was out of my life, I think, for like a whole year because he had gone to jail and he was out of my life. So it was just my mom and I and I had a babysitter that used to take care of me. She took care of me from like 18 months to about 13. Like she was like a grandparent, like we were that close. So like up until like 10, she took care of me. And then, um, and my dad wasn't around. So, you know, from seven and younger, like I just remember dealing just with my dad being in and out of my life. But he was everything to me. My I was a, a daddy's girl and very much know that, you know, the first man to like break my heart was my dad. Like I've come to that realization. My mom and I didn't really have a close relationship because my mom was very the disciplinary. She's the one that stuck in my head. I perceived nothing was ever good enough because my mom was just very exalted. Like everything she do has got to be the best of the best. And But she'll tell you that nobody's perfect, but yet her actions would say differently. So like I just grew up with feeling very alone because I was the only child and I just felt alone. Like my mom worked. She didn't understand me. She was very unemotional. And then my dad was in and out of my life. And he was like my favorite person, but, you know, he was gone, you know, a lot of the time. And when he was around, things were good when he had a good day and and everything would be good. But, like, if my dad didn't have a good day, then, you know, nobody had a good day. So it was kind of like that. And that went on until my parents got divorced when I was, like, 11. And then I ended up living with my mom the rest of my time. Nothing to her, you know, she tried the best she could, you know, she's changed a lot as I've gotten older but that disconnect like there's a disconnect there between the two of us and that's it's more on my end I've just always felt I felt loved but I I felt unloved too to a certain degree I felt abandoned a lot of the time okay so with this happening between zero to seven when you were being shown who you are and what I mean by that is that whatever happens to us from birth to age seven. We not just know, we feel that our survival, our literal life depends on those two people loving us. So that's the first thing, and that's huge. The bigger thing is that it's not that we are the victims of whatever happens to us at that stage in our life. In other words, every human, it is simply developmental that whatever happens to us from birth to age seven, we interpret through a lens of, for lack of a better word, and to just use something vernacular, an abject, benign narcissism. And again, all the the 
good in that word. Because see, our ego is developing that everything that happens to us is not that we are a victim of it. We are the cause. So when our needs are not met, and I don't care what need it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Any need that we have from birth to age seven is interpreted through this psychological filter. And whatever need it is that is not met, we are the virtual cause of it not being met and everything happening to us. So for example, you said, at what age was it that your father uh, went away? Probably like from six to seven. He was probably gone for like a whole year. Well, I guess, you know, from the times that my dad was in and out, like my babysitter would take care of me during the day and uh, my mom worked at night. And I guess my dad was not in the picture then during those times. He was in and out of the picture a lot. Okay. So you see, that seems like, okay, he was in and out and doesn't mean he didn't love you. Doesn't mean you weren't loved to death. But you see, there's no difference for a child of that age. None between attention and love. Love is attention. And the baby at 18 months needs constant, consistent, unwavering attention. It cannot be from different people and have the same effect. In other words, the main caregiver, and there there can be the two, but if not absolutely consistently there in every way, shape, or form, seen, heard, felt, these issues are programmed into us of the world is not safe. I am not lovable. I am not worthy. The child theta brainwave state intuits it as I could not survive possibly because of that. This is where anxiety stems from when a love interest in our adult world leaves. You may have gone through when you've been left by a guy. It feels overwhelming like the world is crumbling. You can't wrap your mind around it. It's devastating. It's confusing. It's terrible grief. And you want to fix it. Does that ring true at all? Yeah, and sometimes the leaving is on my doing. You know, I very much self-sabotage a lot of my relationships as well. Okay. To, uh, you know, just abandonment, you know. There's something whereby you're saying, well, I want to take control and do the leaving first because it's going to happen. I always tend to push people away somehow and I take responsibility. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, it's not even just in love relationships. It's just I just have trouble with relationships, connecting with people. I know when I love people, I love them dearly as much as I can. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't feel like I can ever love people fully because I don't really love myself fully. So I feel like it's, it's a stretch. It's hard. And then if people end up loving me back, because sometimes they don't love me right away, and I'll make them love me somehow. <laughs> and, and then they'll love me, and then they're with me, and then it freaks me out. Like, it, it, it scares me, and I will find a way somehow 
for it to push them away subconsciously. Most of my relationships have ended in infidelity. The man has gone the other way. So I usually just feel like, okay, it's something that I've done. You know, I've pushed it that way, led that way. You know, you sabotage another one, you know. <laughs> so as much as I, I long for a relationship and I love the idea of a relationship, when I'm in them, I'm not, I'm not good at them either. You get what I mean? I can't. I can't. Okay. And here's what is going on. You are replicating your earliest childhood experience of what love is. You see, we have in our society a definition of love. And we all believe that there's a universal definition of it and that's what it is. Well, there's a very small part of it that's true. But here's the real deal. Each one of us are imprinted in our subconscious mind with an experience of love that was put into us from birth to age seven. And our subconscious is telling us that's what it is. And then we set about seeking to replicate that. Mm. And that's what you're doing. So you are replicating it. And that experience is that your love interests are not to be relied on. It's going to be easier to get out of it than put the effort into it because they're just going to disappoint you anyway and be gone. And it's hard to even feel sometimes because what you do is you get them to love you. And then when they do, you devalue them to a great degree. Yeah. And then want out of it. And then when you do that, you feel the loss, you feel the emptiness. It's confusing because you are replicating the confusion you felt from the inconsistency of your primary love interests. That's your parents. The inconsistency of that. And then your father being taken away completely for a year at six. So there is only one way to fix that for yourself because it's never going to be about finding the right guy. Never. Because this isn't about them. They didn't create it. They can't fix it. You can change the trajectory of this. I don't know if you want to change it with the guy from work. It's not even about... Uh... But that, that's, it's a bigger picture, Ms. Paula. Like, it affects my everyday life. It says it's not just relationships. Like, I'm just so unhappy <laughs> with myself, and I have every reason to be happy. Mm. From nursing school, and yet I'm still unhappy. I try to do all these things to fill this void, and, like, nothing is, like, working. <laughs> and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Yes. Yes, I am so glad you said that because it is the start. You have to admit it. You have to say, I'm going to do something different. And you have to know that there is something different that you can do because it sounds to me like you've tried a lot of things. You say, I've seen different therapists. I have self. No more to do. I, I work on myself. I put myself through school. I got through nursing school. I worked. I graduated, I passed my test, now I'm a nurse, but I'm looking for a job, and I'm scared, I don't even want to do it, I'm just like, well, 
across that bridge, but now I'm like, I can't even do it. Like, I just don't feel, once again, it's that not feeling like I'm going to make it. And yet I always make it. I don't fail, but I just, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like I can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy it. I've kept myself alone for the six years because I'm like, I'm still working on myself. I'm still trying to accomplish this for myself. And here I did this one great thing, and yet I still feel like it's not, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because you are not truly loving yourself. You didn't free yourself of this. You haven't changed the subconscious programming, and you can. And I have seen in my practice women change this within a two-week time span. Now, is it done, finished? No. But the beginning of it and the relief that finding something that's an answer to actually do. Because when people say, I've been working on myself, to me, that's usually pretty amorphous. Typically, it is I've gone to therapists or continue to see a therapist and talk about my issues. I'm aware of them. Awareness is not transforming it. Awareness is the beginning and it must be there. But make no mistake, awareness can just make us feel like we're worse off because we know but it doesn't change. Yes, you can change this. This is what I work with in my programs as much sometimes, if not more, than the actual strategic and approach methods for the relationship with the man or the dating techniques, etc. Because those things are the icing on the cake, so to speak. But if one thing were to change, it needs to be this first and foremost. Because when someone is feeling, knowing, believing to their core that they are truly lovable, worthy, honored, valuable, she exudes that. And that is when she will acquire that male love, get that real love. Ironically, that just becomes the icing on the cake because the real need is to have it ourselves, not rely on any man to be giving it to us. And you can do that. There are methods to do it, ways to do it, but it takes intention and commitment to doing the work. What I'm hearing is, I mean, it's completely par for the course that in other areas of your life, you have achieved it doesn't change this feeling because above and beyond anything that we achieve, and especially as women, is the true underlying desire to be whole, connected, and to be able to give love as much as we receive it. And without that, the achievements alone in the outer world, while they're wonderful, they fall short. It's not enough. It doesn't inspire us to the same degree. Does that feel true to you at all? Yeah. I was reiterating what I heard you say, that it doesn't mean as much to you to have finished your degree and passed your test. Because I feel like these things should. These these things that I'm doing in my life are things that I've 
been scared to do and I've been trying to conquer my fears and I've been trying to those are the things that I've been saying that I thought okay if I do this this is going to lead me more to self-love I, and it took me having to do it at a low point in my life which I've always had to get to my lowest to like pull out my best accomplishing things they still just don't feel like I still feel like something's missing like I can't enjoy it like you it took me 20 years to do this and I did it and I did it well, instead of enjoying I'm scared. I'm still scared. Next part of the journey has got me even more scared and I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know. And it just it just keeps and I know that's just life, you know it is, but it it's hard because it's it's draining. It's draining to know that like, you know, you have people around you and be like, Dang Terry, you you're you're succeeding in life and you don't see that. You get what I mean? You don't feel it. You just feel down. You just feel like, Oh, it's just not no. <laughs> You know, I'm not succeeding because I'm still keeping myself in this place of torture. You know, I torture myself every day with my thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, I know it can be done. It's just I don't know if I'm doing it and if I'm even going in the right step because it's just hard for me. You know, these affirmations and stuff like that, I don't live in a place of that that's hard for me to do, to mm-hmm. say things that I don't believe. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. Mm-hmm. I believe something, but it's hard for me to break those uh, those habits. And it is because it's very ingrained in your subconscious. Because your subconscious, no matter what you're doing on the outside, your subconscious is saying, no, who do you think you are? You're not worthy. You're not valuable. When you cannot rely at certain developmental stages from birth to age seven on those two people. I mean, unequivocally, of course, the understanding is, again, because you're the cause, I'm not worthy of it. And that's what you're still coming from. And if you're just trying to give yourself affirmations, that's not enough. If that worked, we could all just do it and get past it. It's more complex than that. And when I'm working with someone, we have to come at it step by step from where you are. See, you fundamentally don't believe something that you must totally believe. Not just know, not just say to yourself, not just do an intellectual exercise about. And that is that I trust you're enjoying Make Him Wonder and that you're getting a lot of helpful information for the life of love you desire and deserve. So if you're not part of the 80-20 Wonder Club yet, you need to be, because now Make Him Wonder is exclusive, a members-only club to listen to every episode, past, present, and future, in full, all ad-free. The 80-20 Wonder Club is a Make Him Wonder membership that gives you all of seasons one, two, and three in a categorized list by age and relationship status and a multimedia library of my content, including my book, relationship evals, and my Making Magic with Men Mindset Manual, a weekly action step you can focus on to attract and keep the man of your dreams and have him committing to you completely in the coming months. Make this the moment you start living as an 80-20 Wonder Woman. Because love, like life, is best lived in 80-20. 
When you do 80% of what works with men, the 20% you don't won't much matter. Join the 8020 Wonder Club by going to the 8020wonder.club. Don't miss out. Go now to the 8020wonder.club. You and your man will be glad you did. In spite of anything you might do, whether you are just a you know derelict on the street or a great achieved nurse, either or, two opposite ends of the spectrum, that you at the core are absolutely loved, honored, valuable, cherished. And I bet you don't know that. You've not been given that by anybody. You know, people that love me, I know that, but they care for me, but... But I keep hearing the buts. What are the buts? Because I don't feel what they feel. Yeah, I don't see what they see. I don't, I don't feel those things. Because you were not given it when you needed to be given it, and it couldn't be interpreted as that, even if it was. Like I said, it's an unfortunate human condition that attention is love. And at, at 18 months, you, and again, each child is a little bit different in temperament, but foundationally, it was not there for you. I don't know exactly what happened. You don't either, and no one will ever know, and your parents didn't mean to have this happen, but it can be this simple. 18 months, you were given to a babysitter. No matter her great intention and attention, the cut was cast. Your primary love interest, mom, was gone. And that, it's a huge scar. And if she came home unhappy, frazzled, angry, depressed, whatever, remember, you weren't the recipient of that. You were the cause of it. This is put into the fabric of you in your subconscious. This must be repaired and it can be. In other words, it doesn't really matter what happened. And no one will really ever know. I just came home and had to tend to the house and your dad and whatever. But that's how you got the self-concept of lovability that you do. It doesn't matter. It's no one's fault. It wasn't your mom's fault. No one's fault. It's what it is. But you can. This is the wonderful news. Change it fix it for yourself, and then you become the love you wish to experience. You experience it wholly for yourself, and men are attracted to you because of it. And whether or not they are there in the moment, you feel it, know it, embody it. There is no way around this work. It must be done, and you have to be dogged about it. You can't give up on it simply because what you've done so far hasn't worked. Why would you give up on it? You just achieved something wonderful, but it pales now because there's no one there to truly share it with. And it's not filling you. It's an accomplishment, but it's not love. You see, when we get accomplishments as women and don't feel worthy, lovable, what have you. This is the feeling we get. The hollowness, the emptiness, the why of it all, the so what of it all. This is very different typically than 
what men do. As women, we will go inward and not necessarily feel any impetus to do anything else. It's just hollow. Men tend to act out more towards the outside world. Go and try to get the next thing that may bring it. The next tie, the next woman, the next toy. There is no way around it. You must do it. I help women do it with the subconscious mind and then be working the steps to create good dating experiences with men and have the relationships and work through relationships. Because you'll hear many people say, well, you can't be in a relationship until you get right with yourself. Well, here's the deal. If you're on a deserted island, do you know that you're not right with yourself? No. Exactly. It's only in relation to others that we have that reflection to say, mm, something's really not kosher here. And it's working through relationships. But you've done a lot to thwart that process of late. Going on a hookup site, lessening your value, saying, well, it hasn't worked so far, so I might as well just be casual and be untrue to myself and uh, think my needs are too much, so I will try to lessen them and be in something casual just to get my sexual needs met. Doesn't work. You've seen, it doesn't work. In the moment, it, but it's like another high. It's like taking a drink, taking a drug, going shopping, gambling. It's only a salve for the moment, right? Right. You can change that. You deserve to be partnered. You say you were married, and unfortunately, you lost a child in that marriage. I lost three pregnancies, uh, one resulting in a stillborn son. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I thank you. So, yeah, it's just, you know, no what was me. It's just, you know, those are the things that make me feel the way that I feel sometimes. Because I'd be like, oh, I failed in all those areas. <laughs> that's what I tell myself. I know it's not necessarily true, but that's what it feels like. You see people outside your life, people out of your past, going on to, like, do great things or do what you couldn't do and you know I, I deal with those every day and it's like oh my goodness when am I not going to care <laughs> when are these things not going to consume my brain you know I know I'm better than this like when can you just tell that other voice to just leave you alone Terry like that's what I want that's what I'm looking for I'm like oh I'm 43 when when does it happen is it going to happen <laughs> I'm still waiting for that not care well if that's the goal that's the goal. Terry, good luck with that. I know, I know. Well, you say, you know, you have to put in the work to do and take a different tact. Any goal for anyone to get to not caring, you've got the wrong goal. It's not literal, Miss Paula. I'm just saying I'm tired of feeling the way I'm feeling. I know that I'm trying to work through the best I can. I mean, you can tell me all day I need to do this, this, and this. I'm telling you, I'm trying. Are you doing it on your own? Or are you working with someone to do it? My own. I don't have a therapist. I don't have time to do that. I don't have money to do that. I don't. So yeah, everything is on my own. It's on my own. It's through friends that I'm able to talk to. It's through social media when I can look at it. It's through just me just knowing that these are my patterns. I can't. I got to try and work on them the best that I can. And that's all I can do. It's actually not. I'm tired. I'm tired. 
I understand that. But you're here. You came here for a reason because you still have hope that there's an answer out there. And there is. You're going to have to do it differently. And you can. You need to use the tools that you have with your amazing mind. You got through nursing school. You got through that test. You absolutely have the wherewithal to change your subconscious mind and become that which you wish to experience. You absolutely can. I'm so sorry about the losses that you've had, but everything from your life has brought you here. There's a reason we're talking today. You absolutely can change this through working on your subconscious programming via. In the rest of this episode, I'm going to tell Terry the exact steps she needs to take to begin overriding her subconscious programming so she can free herself from the emotional chains that have been holding her back from enjoying life and having real love. I'm going to give Terry all the information she needs to get started. And to illustrate the point, I'm going to read you what Terry wrote in a review of her time with me on this episode, just days after we recorded, so that you can know how possible and how fast change can happen for you too. Terry wrote, I'm truly grateful for my podcast experience with Coach Paula. She was very professional and easy to speak with. She told me what I needed to hear. I appreciated that. She gave me wonderful resources to use that helped in the first night. I feel refocused and motivated to start slowly reprogramming my subconscious. I am committed more than ever to continue doing the work on myself. I hope one day to be able to work with Coach Paula more, but until then, I'll take what she gave me and use it. I gained much insight. Thank you, Miss Paula. And because I want you to get the results you deserve for yourself so that you can have the relationship you desire with a current or future Mr. Right in your romantic life, I invite you to check out the 8020 Wonder Club, where you can hear the rest of this episode with Terry, where I outline the exact steps to take to set change in motion starting today. The 8020 Wonder Club is an exclusive membership-only club of the Make Him Wonder podcast, where you'll get nearly 150 ad-free episodes categorized by age and relationship status, plus all new episodes the moment they're formatted and ready to be aired. Unfiltered coaching conversations like this one, with all my advice and principles to have you succeeding in your romantic life. But there is much more. The 8020 Wonder Club includes my Making Magic with Men Mindset Manual, a weekly video series of mindset and mechanics practices for you to do at your own pace each and every week. It alone is valued at over $500 and is all yours as a member. Join monthly and cancel at any time or save by committing to a six or 12 month membership. And not only will you save by committing to more, you'll receive a full coaching intensive experience where you'll be talking to me in a conversation like you just heard. You choose the date anytime during your 12 months and I'll be answering all your questions on getting what you desire and deserve in your romantic life. Check it out at the8020wonder.club and join us as that is the only way you'll be able to hear what I tell Terry that had her seeing and feeling the results she mentioned right away. Don't miss out on how to start changing your subconscious so that you get all you know you deserve out of life and love. Go now to the 8020 Wonder Club. That's 
the8020wonder.club. You and your love will be glad you did. Thank you.